Hi, and welcome back to the fourth episode of How I Spent My Allowance. I'm Seth. I'm James. I'm Naomi. I'm Patrick. And I'm Riley. <laughs> I love it. And we are about to get into Much Mayhem. Wow. Much. I, I just like the fact that in the book we had uh, two chapters, one of which was called Many Meetings, mm-hmm. and another which is called Much Mayhem. And we have mer- Mage Magnificent <laughs> Marvelous Man. Yes, we do. And but, well, I, oh, go ahead. and eventually we're going to, I think we're going to have a quote. And uh, like these, oh, one of the things we haven't mentioned is that each of these chapters is headed off with a quote mm-hmm. from a fictional character also in this, uh, also in the Forgotten Realms that, that has something to do with what's going on in the rest of the chapter. But I believe we're going to meet Mert the Moneylender ah. uh, mm. in one of these quotes. <laughs> yes. Well, I was going to say, we discussed how there were more meetings in the following chapter <laughs> from many, many meetings. meetings. Do we believe there's going to be more mayhem to follow from much mayhem? I don't think that you should title any chapter in this book much mayhem because the whole book you, is... Like, after you get through chapter two, there's there's a lot of mayhem. <laughs> you could, like, much mayhem works for pretty much any chapter it's all mayhem yeah <laughs> i mean all the way down <laughs> i mean like if you're saying this is the chapter where much mayhem happens that's where you've set the bar now for mayhem yeah <laughs> to the degree that there is much of it yeah. and then you just when you want to talk about mayhem later you got to use another superlative that is grander i, I you set yourself up for failure your yeah. stick of mayhem measurement yes <laughs> is chapter eight because I think if you're going to do this, and I don't think there is one, but if you're going to call this one much mayhem, then chapter nine really should be more mayhem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> much more mayhem? Much more mayhem. Much more mayhem. How much mayhem? Much, much more, more mayhem. mayhem. <laughs> but uh, we, open, we open chapter eight essentially with, this is the, <laughs> this is the dwarves find out the dragon is gone in the Hobbit chapter where everybody's running around going, treasure, look at all the treasure. I think Narm and Chandral express some surprise that the mighty knights of Mithranor are running around acting like children. And then one of them goes, adventurers are pretty much all children. And now I'm going to throw these knuckle dusters at Torm's back. Yeah. <laughs> and that it reminds me of the, uh, a meme that I saw where it was like, why do adventurers all have these like tragic backstories? And it's a like, great question. Well-adjusted people don't throw themselves at death every day <laughs> yeah. for some coin. At some number of Dracoliches, <laughs> yes. That continues at to rise. An uncertain number of Dracoliches. Well, that's where that's where the whole murder hobos thing <laughs> comes yeah. from. It's like, wh- where do you live? I don't live anywhere. What do you do? Well, I walk into somebody's place of dwelling place, kill them, and take all their shit. Yeah, well, I yeah. was I was told to get like four flagons of ale and like a so fancy dagger. And I've noticed they were all in your house. <laughs> and you're dead now. Yeah. And they're mine. Well-adjusted 16-year-old girl would say, you know, <laughs> I have a job. <laughs> I have a place to live. Mm-hmm. Sure, I don't like doing dishes all that much, but I'm okay. Yeah. One day, I don't need like, to be a thief. Like, the the adventurers go out yeah. and collect the coins and bring them to my inn exactly. and yeah. give them to me. That's I'm a, content that's a smart with hearing way. the right. story. Way to do it. <laughs> I, I just thought that I would encounter Draco Lynch's like 20 levels. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay, one of the other interesting things that happens, and I think it's it's sort of been, it's happened before a little bit, but this is going to be a theme that gets picked up on, is whether magic is a good thing. Hmm. 
yeah and they had that a little bit with the with the ball here they're like oh well i think torm is like oh this is great because it keeps mages from getting out of control and elminster's mm, yes but it's indiscriminate and sometimes you need magic and again torm comes up here with like yep yeah, uh, there's always anytime there's an honest man doing work there's always a mage plotting some ridiculous something and then elminster goes okay but if there weren't mages imagine this future and yeah. it's pretty bleak yeah it's terminator yeah bodies battlefield bodies piled up everywhere uh 20 years of darkness earthquakes volcanoes dogs and cats living together <laughs> there's real wrath of god type stuff mm -hmm. there's a nice tumblr post that became a writing prompt and this is me disclosing that tragically i'm still on tumblr every once in a while and <laughs> <Okay>. so uh <laughs> someone well, was, if it makes you feel any better i recently discovered tiktok and can't stop <laughs> kesha <laughs> if only, if only. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of well actually there's two kesha memes but they're both the, from the same song <laughs> um and so like this person was just like you know if you really start to think about health potions in final fantasy in high fantasy and D D, and like you just survive like this battle with a draco lich or like you you're this raiding party that like we've been playing with these like level 18 characters in our D D campaign and like they come out with a couple of hit points or like one person was doing saving throws and like a couple of potions fixed i'm like if you really think about like if you get into the role play the this post like kind of really just showed this thing of like you know there's this barbarian who has been through battle after battle after battle and just had scars just magically healed and in, in an instant because they drank this potion and like the the sheer near godliness because of their immortality because of these potions and like what does that do to a person like how does that actually like change you that like you have survived death so many times and like the PTSD that you'd have to carry. Oh with yeah. And, like, yeah. When you really start to think about it, like healing magic and healing potions are like actually really freaking intense and terrifying. We have nothing like that. No. In the real world. I mean, like our, our, our painkillers, like it don't, don't cure you really. No. They put something in your brain so that your brain starts interpreting the the signs differently. Yeah, it's it's more like an illusion. Yeah, than, it's illusion yeah. magic. I read a short story, science fiction short story. Brag. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I forget what it was called. It might have actually been called like the million dollar wound or something like that. But mm -hmm. it was it was soldiers on a battlefield discussing that in Vietnam, what the million dollar wound was was a wound that didn't damage you permanently, but let you go home. But let you go home. And then what happened on this in this story is they developed a technology to fix that. Ugh. So then the million dollar wound became something much, much darker because anything short of death, you'd just be healed and sent back to the front lines. Mm. So that but that's I mean, I think that's right along the same idea as that Tumblr post, which is which is really good. Yeah. And that's something you never talk about in D&D &D because generally I'm too speaking, busy trying to not die because right. I like this character. Mm -hmm. And actually, I'm sure it's something that's actually explored in a LARP because those are much more there is a tendency for one branch of the LARP community to get really psychological and like, let's actually explore issues through role playing. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure PTSD, there's a PTSD LARP somewhere, but it just doesn't come up in D and D because that's not, <laughs> it's not fun. That's not yeah. what you're trying to do. Yeah. I don't want to co-op, but like I, one of my characters, like in, in a campaign I'm playing right now, like went into like three sessions in a row, like went into death saving throws and like ended up, like, that has then, like, really affected his trajectory. And, like, 
I like, oh, his story is now about like, why do I want to stay alive? And also like, why am I, why did I have this thing where I was constantly like throwing myself under the gun? One of the interesting things that we had in this campaign was there was a, there was a thread um, where one of the DMs is like, what are your character's wishes regarding resurrection? Yeah. Oh. Um, because we had yeah. a couple of those and a number of the characters were like, I don't want to be resurrected. If I die, please just let me stay dead. Mm-hmm. So that was, yeah. Yeah. That was me because I play our first necromancer yeah. and uh, we had that conversation with a player like uh, who was playing a paladin who was like, if my character is dead, like they're one of their sworn things is killing the undead. And so uh, do not do that to my yeah. character. Yeah. I will reject it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that doesn't get discussed no. in Ed Greenwood's Spellfire. That has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. Yeah. No, what, what happens is there's basically this, this goofy scene with the knights, like, throwing treasure around everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to say that, is Chandrel still out at this point? I think she is. Sounds like yes. I think she is. She's, uh, she's healed, but she's still unconscious. Yeah, because we, we, we do get that scene in a little bit. But what we get here is that this uh, Elminster had buried the lead about about here yeah because oh there's another way you could kill them too yeah you need three or five mages to do it yeah and you we don't have those yeah. resources like, here plus it kills a lot of mages yeah <laughs> and like narm one girl five mages right. narm gets really upset about it and melminster's like i we didn't have that specifically the way he talks about it is they use telekinesis to tear the ball here apart so that is a specific spell. That's not mm-hmm. an ability that mages have. You'd have to have three mages who have that specific spell memorized, mm-hmm. you know. So that's difficult to do. But while they're having fun, our old friend the Shadow Sill shows up with Agstamn and starts casting fireballs from wands. And what what I believe she does a they do a they do a flyby. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, um, the sharp-eyed elf ranger, right? Sees, sees the dragon. Uh, enough talk. A dragon comes. Yeah. <laughs> um, heads around all. <laughs> so what happens is she does a fireball. Agstammon, who was a blue dragon when he was alive, breathes a lightning bolt. She does another mm-hmm. fireball. And then the two fireballs from wands. And then she casts what I believe is meteor swarm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Definitely. He calls, calls it. I think he names it. Oh, does he? Okay. I, I, I uh, said that. She does. Yeah. Um, uh, and then, because I think... Which is a level nine spell in fifth edition. Right. It's, <laughs> no, it is, it's, it's always been a level nine spell. So basically, the, lev- the levels of mages, that, or the level of the mages that are involved pretty much from the Shadow Sill on out are high. Like, all of the enemy mages are really, really powerful mages. Um just roll for 20d6 fire and 20d6 bludgeoning right uh, on a failed save it was actually not i don't think it was that much in, in second edition i don't think but as somebody probably elminster as he's the highest level mage that that particular group has reflects the spell so let's take a look at the shadow cells let's we're not going to do quite a bullet point but let's take a look at her character arc mm-hmm. she killed somebody captured captured Chandril, went to talk to a Draco Lich, fought Chandril, got beat up, healed herself, and is now making this really badass return on this Draco Lich, does three things, and is blown out of the sky by her own spell. Fireball, fireball, meteor swarm. 
And this is what I was talking about before when we're not sure how important this character is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Because the shadow sill is set up in such a way, especially with that escape and that healing, yeah. that yeah. I would have expected her to be a nemesis for the rest of this book. Yeah. yeah. Likewise. Yeah. Yeah. But she dies here. Spoiler. That's what happens is she dies. And we get this really weird, I would say almost overly sentimental or mawkish death scene with a couple of disturbing undertones. Yeah. <laughs> um, the shadow sill, the Lolita of the... <laughs> well, we don't know. We don't know how how old she was when she went through her that trade. We do, okay. But here's what happens. Yeah. She is dying. Mm-hmm. Everybody's running up to make sure that she's dead. Elminster sort of skids to a stop in front of the group and says, no, 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 no. You don't need to kill her anymore. It's okay. She failed her third she death fa- save. She failed her third death save. And she's ha- she has this really dramatic scene. And what we find out is the old mentor who, t- who told her to save those healing potions was none other than Elminster. Mm-hmm. And she makes the choice at this point to die. Because they could heal her. They have that ability. And she's like, I cannot learn this good you stand for. <laughs> and it's like, it's mostly not being a dick. Yeah. I mean, it's like everything that you have done up to this point, it's not doing that. Can mm-hmm. you could you maybe go through a day without kidnapping and trying to kill somebody? Because that's the first step. I that's, mean, that's just too much. That, yeah. I, I, no, yeah. no. I, I'd rather die. And a she, bridge too far. She can't. So she dies, <laughs> uh, but not before saying to Elminster, who is always described as old. He's described as an old dude with a big, long gray beard, the stereotypical wizard. He looks like, I think, Gandalf, if Gandalf were a little bit skinnier. <laughs> and not that Gandalf's fat, but like Gandalf's like usually like fairly broad-shouldered we're not, we're and whatnot. We're not body-shaming Gandalf. We're not body-shaming no. Gandalf. Uh, <laughs> but she looks at him and says, Daddy? <laughs> daddy. Yeah. <laughs> El- Elmin- is, is Elminster Daddy? Yes, I think we yeah. can all agree. Yeah. Please like, share in the comments. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I-, I love you. I wish I could have had you. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now. I've always For her, yes. daddy. Yeah. I, For Derrida. Yes. So Elminster mm. later on says that she was like a daughter to him. Yep. But after that also says that if she were, I believe, older and not as quick to cruelty. Yeah. And it's like, well, you were her, Yikes. you were her teacher, dude. I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, that daughter comment rang to me like I had to tell myself she was like a daughter to me, so that these other impure thoughts would not run rampant in my mind. We can, uh, we can jot that down for like a lunar interlude episode of like maybe we should unpack that later. Yeah, but it's. I was gonna say I initially took it in reading things. I, you know, there's the brain i have yeah. of like i want to accept this for just what's coming from the page to my eyes and mm-hmm. then there's the back brain that goes come on come read, on <laughs> read between the lines yeah but when i read it the first time it's like when you meet people and there's that initial categorizing of somebody and yes you go oh well you know clearly this person's attractive but our dynamic is not going to be that our dynamic mm-hmm. is going to be one of familial and yes you might go but if situations were different personality Mm -hmm. you know if situations were different 
we would be in a totally different situation. Yeah. <laughs> we would not be here. That is but how situations work. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, there's some more talk. Elminster does say he was much younger. Like, we don't know how old the Shadow Cell is. We know she's no. human, but we know she's also lived longer than she should have and has retained her youthful appearance. By the way, just a quick side note on that, right? Mm-hmm. There's another series, which is not D&D. It's uh, David Eddings. Well, the first one's the Belgariad. It's five books long. The second one's the Malorian. It's also five books long. But a couple of the main characters are Belgarath, who's a sorcerer, and his daughter, Polgara. And Belgarath is functionally immortal, but has aged. Like, he, I want to say he appears, like, somewhere in his 50s to maybe early 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Polgara is late 20s, early 30s tops. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons that they point out is, or the reason that is given for that is that if you are an older man, you are accepted as wise. If mm-hmm. you are an older woman, then they start calling you things like crone. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm not sure. I believe that is reflective of the sexism in society, but also it's like Elminster's 500 years old and looks pretty old. The mm-hmm. Shadow Sill is. I'm going to say at least 100 years old, maybe 200, given that he says he was much younger then, mm-hmm. and looks like she's in her 20s. Yeah. Lotion. <laughs> That's the secret. <laughs> moisturize. Moisture. Yes. Always moisturize. Yes. Don't forget the sunscreen. Yeah. <laughs> when you're riding the dragon. You yeah. Want, you, want, right? you get closer to the sun, so you want to get, you want to bump up a, your yeah, SPF. SPF. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but there's also, uh, there, there's also this little scene after she dies where her, her spirit basically comes and inhabits an illusion that Elminster has cast to say bye to him, where it's just her as a young apprentice mage learning how to cast a cantrip. And it's like, oh, look at... And then what sort of bothers me about this and continues to bother me about this, kind of, is that, again, there's this, there's this impression that she's much more important than the text gives us to yeah. her. And the second question is, well, well now I want to know how she got from that to what she yeah. was... And this is the only book she appears in, as far as I know. It reminds me of, like, I don't know if anybody else did this in high school or middle school, but, like, when you, like, write stories for your friends. Um, I think we've mentioned that some of, what are the knights' names? The knights that came to help Narm and are uh, now... Rathen and Torm? Oh. Yeah, but the, mm-hmm. the organization... The Knights of Mithranor. The yeah. Knights of Mithranor were player characters. Right. Uh, for... Um, Ed Greenwood's life party. Yeah. Um, and it makes me feel like this is a reference that I'm not getting. Yeah. Like he's, he, this is maybe a character that was really important in their campaign. And maybe that's where she served as a big bad, but I agree with you. It is just like, that's what it feels like when I like wrote stories for my friends and we all read it, but it was like within this insular world where we all knew the references we were making. So we didn't have to seed yeah actual exposition and it's just like the thing where and and maybe spellfire itself should have been a bigger book there's certainly enough action in it for more than one book but it's 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 also just like and maybe we're only meant to get a a, we're only meant to get a glimpse of her but it's it's a glimpse that that is it's frustrating because it feels like it's it's too short yeah Well, and like we're supposed to have some kind of emotional response to it yeah whereas i really don't have any yeah. emotional response other than the like oh that's odd yeah like this is different yeah but <laughs> no sooner does she die than an alarm goes off yes in 
Manchun's Keep. Now, Manchun is a high-ranking member of the Zentarim. And the Zentarim are basically, I, I really haven't figured, I really need to wiki them to get more up on it, but they're just a group of people whose job it is to be evil. Yeah. Oh, you know. like they've evil always, League of Villains. Yeah, yeah they've <laughs> always struck me as kind of like fantasy mafia. Yeah. Okay. Mm but fantasy mafia that actually has full and acknowledged control over a particular territory. And what they're trying to do is just they're trying to expand their territory. And they they worship like the three main gods of evil. But it's it's seriously like it's a bunch of people running around going, Because I'm evil. <laughs> yeah. And Manchun in particular is Manchun is annoying. And Manchun is annoying because in second edition there's an eighth level spell called clone. Manchun has multiple clones. Like, you can kill Manchun, and then Manchun shows up to take revenge. Like, it's it's that level of stuff. It, it was so weird that during, I, I think I talked about it way back in episode episode one where I was talking about Elminster showing up. Mm -hmm. There's a thing called the Time of Troubles where all the gods get kicked out of the other planes and magic goes all wonky and whatnot. And, like, all of Manchun's clones activated at once. Hmm. And most of them died, but one of them became a vampire and is now the ruler of the underlord of a particular city that has nothing to do with the Zentarim at all. It's just really like it, but it's that kind of right. Again, <laughs> just just to look at the the power scale of what we're dealing with here, Manchun's way, way up there. Mm -hmm. He's 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 pretty badass. Well, we were about to learn that he's got like a dragon that he can just like, oh yeah. Saddle up, let's roll. I looked at that, and I'm not sure whether the dragon was imprisoned in his keep or, like, imprisoned as part of his keep. I'm not entirely sure. But, yeah, he's got a big old black dragon named mm. Orlgon. Orlgon. <laughs> yeah. And then he flies out. He just basically gets up on Orlgon's back and flies out. Now, I want to point out that this is, like, the second time in two chapters where we've had a villain just mount up on a dragon or Dracolich mm -hmm. and fly after the small band of heroes. And he does. <laughs> and he, there's, there's another scene where it's just the heroes and it's, it's back to them. It's back to them healing and talking about Narm and Chandral and whatnot. There's, there's a lot of like, especially right now it's fight. Talk about Narm and Chandral healing fight. Talk about Norman Chandral healing and this rinse repeat for a while. Because because the battle <coughs> is ne'er done. Yes, that mm -hmm. is in fact no. the title of chapter nine, the battle <laughs> ne'er done. Ne'er. Well so uh. I wanna say <laughs> that I wanna say that they, they don't like nothing really important happens with the heroes. That's just some basically filler conversation. Uh Chandral starts to wake up and then Manchun shows up. Mm-hmm. Uh, somehow now I assume that in addition to being on dragons, the bad guys are using some sort of teleporting magic because Manchun is in Zental Keep and it's pretty far away from everything that's happening. Like it's, if, if you take a look at the map, Zental Keep is in the upper right corner mm -hmm. and Agstamon's yeah. uh, lair, which we assume is relatively close to uh, Roglothgor's lair, is all the way over on the left-hand side. On the other side of Shadowdale. On the other side of Shadowdale, uh, uh, I would say about, like, one quarter of the way down from the top, right? 
Yeah, so these yeah. two places are not close, but and, and Manchun, he just senses. He just like uh, he's got an alarm go. Off. He has yeah. an alarm that goes off. He looks in his little crystal ball. He figures out she's dead. in the middle of a meeting. In the middle yeah. of a, yeah. in the middle Which of a, kind of meeting, a very important meeting. <laughs> Excuse uh, me, my Draco liches are dying. Yeah, where the alarm is going off. Yeah, yeah. they're they're talking about their the Zentilar are talking about their third quarter uh, conquest and, yes. <laughs> and yeah. what they should do. And yeah, and then Manchun is almost instantly where everybody else is. Mm-hmm. And he like like people cast fly spells and there's a bit of a combat and like some of the like the Knights of Zental Keeper doing stuff and it's it's like it's they seem pretty evenly matched. It's not going one way or the other. Like you're kind of wondering where like what Elminster's doing. because, uh, yeah. you know, he could probably take care of this pretty easily. And then Chandral wakes up. Ah. Of course. And remember how she used all of that spell fire to to destroy a mountain? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I do. Well, apparently it's all back. <laughs> you just need long a rest. long rest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She didn't have it. That was a short rest. I mean. Spell fire. Okay. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's more to this young I, scullery maid than appears. I am and, the destined protagonist. And from... From a narrative standpoint of the writing, we're literally a hundred pages from the Gates of Doom, and yeah. this would facilitate the point where you have a lunar interlude, right? Between between rising actions, right? But do we? No, not really. No, we don't. And again, this is the same day. Yeah, we keep this running. Is, this yeah. is the same day, as far as we can figure out. And another thing that happens here is that would that's a little bit weird is that. People uh, are casting spells a lot, but they're not casting spells more than they have in other combats. I mean, they, they might be, but that's just because this one seems to be going on longer. And we have a couple of little interludes at places where other powerful mages are, and they're like, hmm, great art contending with great art. <laughs> and it's like... Gotta watch this art. Yeah. Okay. Must navel gaze further. Why? It's like, <laughs> why didn't you twig to something when Chandral leveled a mountain? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it seems like you should have sensed that more than, like, yeah. people casting insect swarm. Yeah. That's just Tuesdays. It's yeah. Mountaintop Tuesdays. Mountaintop yeah. Tuesdays. <laughs> I do love the image in this battle of the ranger, like, silver surfing on a shield yeah. Against the black, against the dragon and Manchun. Yeah, I, the image of that is fascinating to me. Welcome to Fantasy Chilies <laughs> Tuesday. We got Mountain Top Tuesday. Mountain Top Tuesday. Chilies. Mountain Top Tuesday. Yeah, it's really tough to tell who's. It's really tough to tell who's gonna win, right? The like, it seems like Manchun might have gotten the upper hand, and then Chandral shows up and just blasts him. And the dragon, and he immediately retreats because apparently this one bolt of spellfire was so powerful that it did extreme damage to his dragon, and it did what all to him. And one of the things we haven't talked about that spellfire does, because I'm not entirely sure that we it's it's really it's fully been covered yet, but it drains magic. Oh. So if you cast magic, if you cast attack magic at Chandral. She has a pretty good chance to absorb it and then redirect it at you. And the other thing is, if you pass Spellfire through something that's magical, it tends to drain that magic, much like the ball here did. Mm. So there's a chance that getting hit with this blast of Spellfire, in addition to just doing damage, has also wiped a bunch of his magic items, mm. which might be why he's he's leaving. But not 
the healing potions on his belt. But not the healing uh, potions the on many, his belt. No. Because he's going to need those later. So <laughs> she does this. Manchun flies off. Narm goes, Shandril, you're alive. And then they exchange I love yous. And then he's like, do you want to marry me? Holy moly. Kids. Uh, kids these days. They had sex like two hours ago. Yeah. Maybe three. And she has destroyed a mountain. The last day. Yeah. Uh, Sex was good. Yeah. She can destroy a mountain. You gotta lock that down. Yeah, you, gotta lock, you gotta lock that. Also, yeah. also, not to be not to be terribly sexist, but apparently she's pretty good in the kitchen. Yeah. 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 She's been, yeah. yeah. So plus she may pass out at any given moment. Yeah, that's so. right. Yeah. You, wanna, you, you wanna make sure you get an you, you wanna make sure you get an answer to that. Yeah. Um so there's a bunch of like they get engaged and the knights celebrate it and, and Torm goes over to Elminster and like yanks him out of concentration and Elminster was apparently tracking Manchun and is like, that's what you, oh, ah, grumble, grumble. grumble. <laughs> then there's, we, we skip to somewhere else that we've never been before. Woohoo! To a full flagon? I wish. So we skip to the High Imperceptor of Bane, who is apparently... Not allied with the Zentarim, or at least not allied with Manshun. It's unclear whether as he's he's not in the Zentarim or he leads a separate faction of the Zentarim. Yeah, definitely mm -hmm. has agents within Manshun's organization. Or, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, but it's it's a big it's a big temple to Bane. Bane is like the main. He's the evil god of evil. That's that's the best way to put it. Um, his I forget exactly what his his uh, portfolio is, but it's basically like hate and cruelty and like yeah breaking so, people's backs hey, over his yeah. knee it's your boy bane i would like you to look at my portfolio of evil yeah deeds. yeah so the high imperceptor of bane is like well what happened with manchun and where did he go and why did he go and somebody's like oh well he used these two command words and he summoned and he said the shadow sill and then he he, he broke off and like he might have been crying, which is weird because he's, <laughs> he's horribly evil and cruel, and he has feelings still. <laughs> There's no crying. <laughs> By the There's way, no crying and evil. <laughs> not to not to continue to harp on what the hell what the hell's the deal with the shadow cell. No. She and Manshun have apparently this deep loving relationship. The last thing she says is, "I wish I'd been it with you, Elminster." <laughs> she doesn't mention Manshun at all, and no. then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we get introduced to this completely different faction and this really high-powered guy whose girlfriend has just died. Apparently, it feels like within these last few, like these last two chapters, our world has has gone gotten very big very yeah. quickly yeah we've gotten introduced i mean well we lost our theoretically someone who we thought was going to be a bigger bad yeah uh mm -hmm. we lost the shadow sale and then it was like ed had to be like oh they need to know we need to know who we're fighting yeah and then went boop and when and this is what we're talking about about the world building being done in the novel for you mm -hmm. uh rather than off stage because you are now introduced yeah. to these people and uh, again like, we're introduced to Manchun. Manchun is in this for all of a chapter and a couple of pages. Mm -hmm. I, I want to say that I think he might make another appearance near the end, but for right now, after we get the bit with a high imperceptor, who's like, I don't know, Manchun, we got to do something about... And I, do they meant? Hang on, let me see if they mention this dude. Um, I mean, like, while you're looking, yeah. looking at that... Uh, 
all storytelling does do this thing of like trying to build gradually outwards yeah. it's just the way that you do that ramp up to introduce you to the next part of the map to introduce you to the next thing and the, how how your small place in the small town mm-hmm. has actually blossomed into this bigger world encompassing adventure yeah and we kind of just skateboard through that we just we just went mm-hmm. boom here's here's a whole world you're now in the middle of it yeah yes. and yeah. it's yeah spellfire spell <laughs> uh but the high imperceptor does mention this other dude fazool mm-hmm. right and just to, to for those of you at home f-z-o-u-l so fazool and refers to him as a traitor so i'm assuming based on that that fazool went to join the zentarim and left the priest and left like the formal priesthood of Bane and the High Imperceptor is upset about this because he says he can't move against Fazul with Manshun in the city. So it sounds like he wants to go kill Fazul, but he's got to make sure that Manshun's gone. I loved that HBO show Manshun in the City. Yeah. <laughs> was amazing. I think Manchun it was his city. best work. Yeah, yeah. I do too. Yeah. I do too. I bought myself more of a Shangrel. Yeah. Than, uh, yeah. <laughs> But, who but then I really thought I was a I'm a complete fazool. <laughs> you are such an arm. Uh, no arm. <laughs> uh, but, uh, th- but there's this whole like weird faction stuff happening that has nothing to do with Shandrel that is interesting, but again, seems like it's part of a different book. Like, mm-hmm. if, again, if, if Spellfire, as it were written, not with the two sequels, but as it were written, if this book had been two books or perhaps three, and we'd sort of gotten introduced to the Zentilar and the um, the Cult of the Dragon, and mm-hmm. we'd gotten a chance to see their inner workings rather than just being, and boom, here they are, right. and boom, here they are. Yeah. But uh, I, I, <laughs> to, get, to get back to the plot... After after that interlude with the High Imperceptor, what we see of Manshun is that he is essentially on a dying dragon crashing into the forest. And that's that's it. And there's sort of the cute thing with the High Imperceptor's last, the last thought of the High Imperceptor being it had not been a good day, and Manshun's last thought in that chapter, it had not been a good day. But I guess my question is, what's the point of Manshun in this book? Right, we've already had somebody swoop in on a dragon and get killed instantly. That or that happened with the shadow sill, yeah. And then the same thing happens, mm-hmm. but this time with spellfire. <laughs> spellfire, spellfire. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's also. I, I don't know. It again. If this were just a novel, novel, I would take that as, oh, here's a way to kind of make you think back is right. you know lead it up to something but because it's not there's always the question of well is this something that just happened did this guy just get yeah you know, yeah is this character now a, a victim of circumstance right mm-hmm. and manchun fares better than the shadow sill because again manchun has him some plot armor uh, he is he is important to the lore of the forgotten realms as it stands in source books and future novels yeah so he gets away mm-hmm. and even if he didn't get away like i said he's got so many clones yeah but but it's it's just like it, he seems he seems wasted for lack of yeah. a better word like yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's a, he's another guy with he's clearly got a complicated backstory but he shows up fires off a few spells and then gets knocked out almost immediately mm-hmm. it's uh another moment where this feels almost like 
like fan fiction or friend fiction Mm -hmm. where it's like I'm missing as a reader who's not familiar with like I am not super familiar with the Forgotten Realms. I've played uh, like in a campaign that was set there and like we hung out in Waterdeep for a while. So I'm a little familiar with that. But like um, like I feel like I'm missing a source text. And you are like in order to find out more about these people, you had to go by the supplements You're like, mm-hmm. oh, do you want to know what Manchun's stats are? Do you want to know what Fazul's uh, stats are? OK, you've got to go by that source book and figure it out. Uh, yeah. yeah. And that I mean, like sense. I I come from a theatrical background of storytelling, uh, surprisingly, um, where like in playwriting, they say don't waste anything. You don't have the time. You don't have the pages. You don't have right. the audience uh, attention to throw things in frivolously you need to Mm -hmm. make the most out of everything and i think that does carry through a lot of really good books uh that are just a standalone alone story that's supposed to start on page one and end on page whatever and gets expanded into sequels and instead you have unlike george r R. martin you have all these pages that are kind of like trying to say these are other things happening in the world but it doesn't do anything interesting with it and george r R. martin does something with it and tolkien does something with it and your mileage may vary on how well that works for you as a reader but they are not wasting those things yeah and and this just don't at me yeah it's like (laughs) did did we introduce the high imperceptor of bane just so we could be like yes there will be another faction going after shandrill because i believe he he also somehow even though this is the same day Mm -hmm. people are already getting reports of shandrill using spellfire yeah the fact the cult and the Zenterim are both like, oh yeah, somebody we talked with somebody who talked with somebody who talked with somebody who said that he saw Spellfire. 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 And everybody <laughs> and everybody, you know, is everybody's gonna want to try to get it. Yeah. It makes me think of you know how sometimes there are um I mean, in our world, uh, we have machines set up to to feel earthquakes or predict earthquakes. Right, right. Um, if there's something, I feel like that it happens magically in Massive books all the time. Massive burst of yeah. magical yeah. energy. Well, and it, this, is, this is a big art. It's a big mm-hmm. art. This art killed a dragolich and 70 people, like, boop. Yeah, yeah. Like, no probs. And, like, it would be cool to flesh that out of, like, what is this alarm and why does he have it and what, what triggers it? Yeah, it, it's also, again, just going back to the point where a fight between high-level characters is enough to let other people in the world who are very far away know that there's a bunch of magic happening, mm-hmm. but leveling a mountain doesn't do the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. you know, Manchun's got the dead girlfriend alarm, which is, by the way, why does he have a dead girlfriend alarm? <laughs> why doesn't he have a really in trouble girlfriend yeah. alarm? It's like, <laughs> I'm going to come avenge you. It's like, well, how about if you save me? No, just the vengeance. Okay. All right. All right. Well, well, thanks, I, I don't have time for that. Yeah. I would like to believe that the alarm, you know, has levels. <laughs> <laughs> like, he and what a... happened just happened so quickly that, uh, well, it's a, it's now a dead girlfriend. I was yeah. I was in the shower. <laughs> he was in an important meeting. He, was he, in had, a silenced, meeting. he, he had silenced his crystal ball to a certain amount. And because that's what you do in a good meeting. And right. it's like, do not disturb. And the he's alarm evil. had to go off twice. He's evil, not rude. Yes. Yes. Right. <laughs> no. yes. There is an agenda, and we need to get through this agenda. Please silence your crystal ball, damn it. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And I just wanted to say, I feel like their relationship... Uh, monsoon and, and the shadow sill and the shadow sill was one of where yeah as she expressed her love 
for <laughs> the other guy yeah. as she's dying. It's that, you know, she settled <laughs> for Monsoon, and Monsoon had the love of his life. So yeah. it's that, you know, yeah. that dichotomy of there's always one who loves the other one more. No. Well, maybe she got something different out of her relationship with I'm sure I she did. both of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But yeah, but it's just the thing, and he doesn't necessarily know that you know Monsoon doesn't necessarily know that you know she loves uh, yeah. Elminster yeah more yeah. But uh, you know we think because again her her dying words were love of Elminster. There was there was no mention of Manchun. <laughs> Not at all. It also could have been the thing that she threw in Monsoon's face <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all the time. You're no Elminster. You're no Elminster. <laughs> Maybe what he I, likes not being an Elminster. Maybe, maybe yeah. he's into that. Maybe at one point she shouted at him, I'd love you more if you had a long gray beard and a pointy hat. <laughs> I mean, maybe Monsoon, like, she sent a text to him and he just left her on bread and she's like, fine, this is this is my last. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You left me on bread. Guess what? I love your rival. <laughs> <laughs> Who was my, my teacher. My teacher. It's all fine. <laughs> it's all fine and good. Oh boy! Uh, so that is actually that is the end of chapter nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there is there anything more we want to discuss? I don't think so. I think the higher perceptor Bane is going to show up again. Like I said, I'm not sure whether Manchun shows up again, but if he does, it's toward the end of the book in a different capacity. Yeah. But yeah, it's just a, just a couple of really weird interludes that don't seem to to have anything much to do with the main action, and if I'm correct, don't really pay off. Like certainly the um the quick I guess the quick interlude at Blackstaff Tower with Kelvin Blackstaff and I think it's Malcor Harple mm-hmm. and then the equally quick um, interlude over at Candlekeep mm-hmm. don't have anything to do with any of the other ones. Yeah, and oh, I good. I think maybe the reason that you feel like you're missing something is because you are is because this book is meant for people for whom that will have some resonance. Where you're like, oh, oh, I, oh, Kelvin Blackstaff knows what's going on. Oh, this is clear to the people in Candlekeep. Oh, okay, this is interesting. But yeah, but like, where do those things get tied in and explored? I don't. They certainly don't, don't in this book. Sure, uh, I, sure, sure, sure. To to an extent, a very tenuous extent, the Kelvin Blackstaff thing might get tied in in later ish books. But certainly, I don't think the Candlekeep thing does. Hmm. It gives us a scope. Yeah. The world is very big. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sort of, this is a niche of a niche. Of a niche. Of a niche. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. But, I mean, it was like this was making them money. They were pumping out multiple, multiple books a year. Like, when James was talking about getting in on the, the Dragonlance stuff, that was... I mean, I'm sure this is an exaggeration, but it seemed like they were putting out a Dragonlance book every month. So is he oh, wow. kind of like the Stephen King of this genre? <laughs> no, it's not Ed Greenwood. They have a whole stable of people, right? When Once they figured out that their novels would sell, they basically went to anybody who'd had any like design input on the game and was like, okay, well, but do you want to write a novel about this? <laughs> mm-hmm. Or maybe they, it was just, you have to write a novel about this. Oh. And then people did. So they had they had basically a, a factory of of people working on novels. Hmm. I think that's actually probably a good point to to call it for this one because we've not only have we drifted off topic, but we we run out of things to talk about unless we want to go another chapter deeper. And uh, I, I believe we're 
this is going to be a little bit of a shorter episode, but that's all right. Yeah. 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 Please yeah. join us next time. Gearing up to be full of flagons. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bring your flagon. We're going to fill comment it. Comment and subscribe yes. to our podcast because that's what this is. Oh, uh, right. I guess I should ask you to review us. I mean, none of none of these are up yet, so that's a little <laughs> weird. But, but now that know. we're like yeah. three, four eps in, it's good time to start, you know. Yeah. I'll asking. just. I'll just cut and paste this to the end of the other episodes. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah. So, so, can... so that they just hear this 30 seconds over and over and over. Yeah. Again. And I suppose then I should, I should make a Facebook page and a Twitter account. Yeah. Maybe. Nice. Also, yeah. Also any controversial things I've said, don't at me. I don't pay attention to my Twitter. Yes. Uh, please don't add, add us with controversy. Uh, I'll just block you. Just the love. <laughs> yeah. 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 If you can find my Twitter. I will commend you. Challenge. <laughs> so, yes, please like, subscribe, and if you feel like it, rate us on iTunes. Uh, if you want to rate us negatively on iTunes, I ask that you not. But uh, For now. For now. <laughs> anyway, so thank you for listening, and we'll see you again next time with Chapter 10, Full Flagons. Full Flagons. That is the drinking episode. I deem it. Gun. <laughs> <laughs>